We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? We got the big men. Yeah, we're doing bigs today. We did our free agent targets for point guard and shooting guard, which you can find on all streaming platforms. Like you said, Jack, we're going to jump into centers today. But I guess before we talk about the targets, we got to really talk about what the Nets have. And we talked about their own free agents on the offseason preview, which you can also find on all streaming platforms. But it's a little bit deeper than that because obviously there's the DeAndre Jordan situation. Then also, how much do the Nets anticipate Nick Claxton improving? What do you want to touch on first, Jack? Claxton or Jordan? Well, look, DeAndre, Nick, it seems to me the the greatest and strongest rumor coming out of Netsland. Now, I, I think it's – I don't even know if it is a rumor, but it's yep. more people putting out there and putting two and two together just to, given the rotation and the, the lack of productivity that DeAndre showed in the latter points of the season, including no minutes in the playoffs, means that he is as good as God. Now, I'm not 110% on that. You know, we all know that the reason KD and Kyrie signed and they took their pay cuts was so DeAndre could stay um, and join them as well. Has KD's mindset changed about that in their uh, their pursuit for a championship? Same with Kyrie Irving. I think it probably has. I think that there is a, you know, the opportunities that were given to DeAndre throughout the season were, were plentiful and he yep. wasn't able to relish those opportunities. So I would make an assumption that DeAndre Jordan is... If we're going percentages, Nick, I go 80-20, maybe 75-25, that he is unlikely to be a Brooklyn Net next season. And that means, you know, there's some form of trade, whether it's for a, a wing, I think, or whether it's just for a, some sort of salary dump. Um, okay. Obviously, the, the the Nets are likely to attach that first-round pick, the, the pick 27. They've got a couple in the 40s as well, which they're likely to use. Um, I've heard that this draft is pretty plentiful when it comes to bigs uh, later in the first round and and then the second rounds. Um, so you, I, I think you know you can get a, a another Reggie Perry or you know, yep. obviously probably not a Claxton and and someone with that much potential. But who knows? Um, in, in the Brooklyn Nets situation, Sean Marks has always been a quality drafter. So I think DeAndre is as good as gone. Nick, uh, the Claxton situation is is another discussion. But what are your thoughts on DJ? 
Yeah, Jack, I think you're pretty spot on. I think DeAndre has been given the opportunity, and the fact he didn't log one single postseason minute says a lot. You know, obviously it could have been different if they went up the likes of Philadelphia and had Joel Embiid. Maybe they kind of dust him off. But even against a side, a team like Milwaukee that has a ton of size inside, you know, you think maybe DeAndre Jordan's an option. And they dealt with a million injuries and the fact they didn't even look to go to him, I think it says a lot. And like you said, you know, it could be for another player or it easily could just be for a salary dump. And I think his specific skill set, you know, rim running, setting picks and pick and roll, trying to protect the rim is better suited for a young player. You know, sometimes that could be someone, like you said, you grab in the second round because it's not like we're talking about the most skilled guy in the NBA. We're talking more so about the body and the athleticism. Yeah, and you don't on on a team that's already pretty deep into the luxury tax, having an extra yep. ten million dollars, you know, just sitting there on the bench, despite how good of a teammate and the leadership that he does provide, uh, yep. it's just it's frugal to you know see what you can do elsewhere. And I think that Sean Marks will be likely be doing that, but. Nick, and even just the fact, one more point, Jack, just the fact of it's a waste of a roster spot if you're not going to play him and every spot matters in which we saw in the last postseason. We don't know what's going to happen injury wise. You want to have somebody that you can play in the playoffs. And I think that's been one of our main themes in a lot of these offseason pods. In, in saying that, Nick, you know, a guy who did get some regular minutes and including a few spot playoff minutes here and there was the, the young goat Nicholas Claxton, Clax City. What are your thoughts, I guess, on him and his place within the next rotation heading into the 21-22 season. You know, based off of everything we've heard from the Nets about Nick Claxton, they seem excited about his potential and what he can kind of become. And obviously some of us thought that he was going to get more postseason minutes, myself included, didn't necessarily get that opportunity, but still did enough in the postseason to prove that he's ready for that stage. And I think he's the guy that's just going to benefit from having a true offseason. You know, an offseason where it's not even a true offseason because it's shortened, I guess, to an extent. But just the fact he can get in the weight room and put on some weight, just get more adjusted to the NBA bodies. I think if I'm the Nets, I'm looking at him having a bigger role and being part of my rotation. I think that has somewhat of an impact in what you're looking at in free agency, too. Yeah, and the hand might be forced. You know, the targets that, that we are going to discuss, they might not be able to attain many if, you know, the high-caliber ones, you know, they yeah. might just get a dude who just feels out the rotation is sort of 10-11. You know, it's just a, a DeAndre replacement sitting there on the bench and you're sort of relying on clacks. You know, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, if he is retained as well, we'll discuss that going forward. But, yeah, it, and obviously there is the the roster, and, and sorry, the, the contract ramifications as well for Clark. You know, he's a second-round yeah. pick, and he it, it expires next year, you know, $1.8 million around that sort of mark. And, you know, he's going to want to make an impact so he can get himself yeah. some sort of payday. He likely will. It, again, the Brooklyn Nets uh, have so much luxury taxes coming out the wazoo it's making joe lacob you know look like you know someone in detroit for, for that matter <laughs> but yeah in, in saying that you know we we're incredibly high on clax as all nets fans and um, we wanted to continue to show that maturation maturation that growth you know it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see because you know Joel Embiid isn't going anywhere you know he, he might have his injury concerns you know going forward you know will Jokic uh, continue to lead the Denver nuggets to high level basketball you know anthony davis you know, Giannis is an absolute beast. DeAndre Ayton's an absolute beast. You know, seems the best teams in the NBA all have strong quality big men. Uh, and we know Clax has, you know, a, a pretty diverse skill set, but strength isn't necessarily his forte. And he's going to have to, you know, improve that if he's going to solidify his spot uh, in championship aspirations for next year's Brooklyn Nets. 
A hundred percent. And I think also the experience he got this year hopefully is huge for his development, just kind of understanding the physicality and what guys are going to do to you. You know, even like somebody like Tristan Thompson trying to punk him a little bit, you know, even dealing with PJ Tucker and setting screens like those are some experiences that he can kind of take into the next year and see how that allows him to develop. So I think if you're the Nets, you're looking at, you know, one center we have essentially locked up, obviously, because he's under contract is Nick Claxton. And he gives you rim running to an extent, not probably the same degree as some of the bigger players, gives you uh, elite versatility defensively in terms of switching. And I think offensively, there is some potential for him to be more. But I guess going to next season, the only thing I'd be looking at is just kind of some rim running, some slipping to the rim, uh, defensive switchability, and then also very good rebounding. But I wouldn't anticipate him becoming a bruiser in a couple months. No, that's just unless realistic. he's yeah. on the the Giannis routine, and maybe he, you know, he has a bit of a whisper in his ear, sends a bit of a text, and goes, "Hey, Giannis, what were you eating in the off season, my dude? When you went from like a hundred and fifty pounds to like four hundred and seventy pounds, because and that's all muscle. You know, Giannis is a goddamn yeah. monster. But who knows? I, I think there's a there's differences in strength. You know, the, the yep. there's that sort of core strength. You don't have to be you know, have Bruce Brown shoulders to necessarily have an impact on the boards and, you know, uh, you know, fight in the, the low post and such. So, look, I, I've got no doubt that the class is going to continue to improve his game in all facets. Uh, and that includes, uh, I guess, his, his strength, uh, which is, you know, continuing to develop. With that said, Jack, what do you think the skills are the Nets are looking at in terms of potential free agent centers? I think it's just physicality, Nick, and and rebounding. You know, we've yep. we've sort of heard how important throughout this entire season that rebounding has been, and you know the necessity for gang rebounding because of the Nets' lack of size. So just a guy who can just eat up some boards for you. You know, let's bring back Reggie Evans. I don't know, <laughs> just a guy who can get 15 boards. You know, doesn't necessarily need to get a point at all. But you know, maybe Dennis Rodman out of retirement, or just you know, whichever center comes on the Nets roster, you sort of just show them that Dennis Rodman tape from the Last Dance, and you maybe show that to Clax a little bit too, who's continuing to improve his rebounding skills as well. Show it to Reggie, why not as well? But uh, I think it's just a a, a narrow-ish skill set, Nick, which I think the Nets will be sort of able to get because the Nets do prefer that small ball. Obviously, it'd be a luxury if that guy can also switch a little bit and, and fit that scheme well. Um, but you can obviously see that there are teams right now that are you know, playing drop schemes and, and such yep. and are still having some success. But I think you know versatility is always a, a plus. But I think just rebounding, size, uh, maybe some vet leadership, uh, just... Something that, you know, you sort of expect to see on a, a championship mold team. You know, Tristan Thompson, maybe not Timothy Mozgov, but Timothy Mozgov in 2015 and such. But yep. uh, former Brooklyn Nets, great. Thank you very much, actually, Timothy Mozgov. But, yeah, I think those are the sort I of skills. All that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a long time ago. I think that's when we started the pod. Yeah, uh, a paint presence, you know, like you said, Jack, just like that physicality inside, like you feel them in there and they're taking up space. I think you want someone who can do that on offense and defense to an extent. You know, you don't want them to have some crazy offensive game, but the ability to finish layups and throw down dunks and just kind of provide that rebounding. Ideally, you'd love for them to have some closing potential and the ability to, you know, rim run, set those pick and rolls, take advantage of playing with James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And then also, if you're looking for like, you know, luxury and just like the best of both worlds maybe you can get someone that's a three-point shooter 
you know, maybe you there is a big out there that can fit. Obviously, the Nets aren't working with a ton money wise. And ideally, you know, it'd be someone that could close games if you really needed them to. Like you said, we have seen some big centers in a lot of these postseason matchups and they're running some drop coverage and just the ability for the Nets to kind of switch up what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like you can't really run drop with Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton doesn't really have a ton of experience doing that and doesn't really have the experience to deal with some of the pressures you'll face in that situation. So like you said, also a vet that knows what he's doing can has looked at a ton of different NBA offenses. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What are some names you got on the on, on your list, Nick? Well, I guess we could start with the two names that have essentially been rumored. One, we've heard Nerlens Noel, you know, obviously played for the New York Knicks last year, had a really good year, shot blocking, rebounding is not amazing, offensive game isn't a ton, you get some vertical spacing, but he definitely does not give you the paint presence. You know, he's probably almost as skinny as Nick Claxton, maybe a little bit more muscle. What are you thinking in terms of Nerlens Noel? In terms of athleticism, Nick, you know, there aren't as many good on the free agency uh, books right now when it comes to, to big men. 
The reason why I'm skeptical of Nerlens Noel isn't necessarily because of, I guess, the sort of misgivings that you might have. It's more that I think he's going to get paid. I, I yeah. think that there are enough teams out there that are going to just pay him more. And you know, he's left plenty on the on the table before, given what yep. his history in, in Dallas and and the, and the other teams. So I think he's sort of done a, a semi-prove it sort of year here in in New York. And I think that you know, a team like Charlotte or, or some other teams will likely go for him. But you know, if he happens to strike out and and all the other teams who you know decide to type money with I don't know Montres Harrell, John Collins, and these sort of dudes. Then there is a, a universe out there where we could see New Orleans as well as a Brooklyn net. And I think that alongside James Harden, that pick and roll would be pretty goddamn fun. I think he'd, he'd show enough versatility, be switchy enough. Yep. I think his athleticism is just probably his prime asset. And that is still, you know, A plus uh, in, in that regard. Um, and I think, you know, he can use that in, in a number of facets to really impact the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, and I think he also gives you closing potential. You know, like you said, Jack, he is versatile. You know, I don't think he's an elite switch defender, but he can be switched in different situations. And I think the shot blocking would definitely provide the net something that, you know, they haven't had. The guy averaged over two blocks a game this season in just 24 minutes, which is really impressive in terms of that. And I think he's also a guy that blocks shots, but also plays good defense. You know what I mean? It's not like he's a just chasing blocks out there. No, he, he's quite sound fundamentally. And, you know, I think Tibbs doesn't play dudes who, who aren't fundamentally sound. And I think that, that a season under Tibbs, you know, we've given him plenty of criticism on, on a lot of OTG pods and such, but, you know, he is a, a solid, you know, he, he teaches the fundamentals. And uh, that's a good thing for Nolan as well, who has, you know, I, I guess been inconsistent uh, in his productivity and in his, you know, I guess, reliability and such. But, Nick, I, I hate to throw this out there because I know the answer you're going to give me, but is there a universe, and maybe I'll explain the universe where I see it happening, but the Nets can get Jared Allen back in the black and white. <laughs> maybe they draft Evan Mobley, and maybe you know Landry Shamet goes back or something, and you throw a DJ and you throw whatever first a couple of first round picks in there. I don't know what had, what had happened, Nick, but um, I'm pretty. I'm just thinking. I'm literally looking in the distance right now, just imagining you know that Rick and Morty or Spider Verse where you know Jared Allen's still wearing black and white. Yeah, I mean, maybe there definitely is a universe. And just one touch on Nerlens Noel, I agree with you. I think he'll probably get better offers. And I think that's going to be the problem with Jared Allen, obviously, in a return. The Nets can't really do a sign and trade to acquire a player because their cap situation is terrible. There is maybe the smallest possibility they could trade at the deadline, but I think it's unlikely. You know, we talked about a lot of the skills the Nets are looking for. You know, Jared Allen isn't necessarily a bruiser, but he has a paint presence with his ability to block shots and improve rebounding and honestly improve size. Ideally, that'd be the guy you had have, but uh, it's not going to happen, sadly, Jack. We can dream about it and maybe we can find another universe, but it's not going to be ours. Yeah, um, I wonder what Brooklyn Buzz they're sort of talking about right now. Maybe in that universe as well, the net, KD's foot was like size 16 rather than size 19. Now, what other names did you have at the top of the list, I guess, Nick? Yeah, another name. This guy is technically a free agent, but he's been rumored to the Nets. He's more likely to be bought out, and that's Kevin Love. We've kind of discussed him a little bit in the past. Doesn't provide you the defense. Doesn't really provide you defensive versatility either. Does give you the rebounding. It would give you another offensive option with some three-point shooting. But honestly, I'm not very confident in him closing games either. So just figured I'd throw it out there because he has been rumored. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you have to leave Team USA given the the health ramifications of him yep. personally. And it's just like, my dude, you played like 20 games in, in the past year. Like, yeah. how how bad is your bot? Where is your actual body at? You yeah, know, yeah. Um, I've been a big Kevin Love stand on on the OTG network and Blue White network for a very very long time, but. 
That is a massive concern. And while, you know, when Blake Griffin was acquired, you know, there were plenty of sort of, I don't know, people sort of interpreting, uh, oh, well, I don't know what he could do defensively, you know, but where is he necessarily going to fit there? You know, he times that by 50 with, with Kevin Love. Yep. You know, yeah, he had uh, one decent play back in 2016 on Stephen Curry. <laughs> but other than that, you know, he is, he might be one of the worst defenders in the NBA and, and, and not getting any better. And I don't necessarily see him getting any better in the in a Brooklyn Nets system either. But if he's bought out, you know, I think as, as buyout candidates, you know, he, they're worth taking a flyer on. I don't, I don't even see him being better than LaMarcus Aldridge in what he showed uh, yeah. as a Brooklyn Nets either. But I'm happy to be proven wrong, you know, and maybe there is some, you know, he is a, he's a, 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 a marvelous, just physically, like he, he takes in his, you know, mid to late 30s, mid to late 20s and early 30s, you know, he's taking care of his body like a fine-tuned machine. It's just that the internal hurt, which is kind of concerning. Yeah, the internal mechanisms, you know, the muscle strains and all these sort of things are still hampering him uh, to a very large uh, ability. But who knows? Maybe Katie knows something we don't. Yeah, I think it's just a really interesting situation. Like you said, I think the difference is you look at Blake Griffin. Blake was literally one of the best athletes in the NBA, and then he had injuries, and that kind of turned him down to a normal NBA athlete. Kevin Love has probably never been, in quote, a normal NBA athlete in terms of his athleticism. He's always kind of been a little bit of a step slow. It's kind of been more with his size and his IQ. And as he gets older and deals with more injuries, it definitely provides you more of a question mark. I think Kevin Love would just give you some more like offensive pop, maybe help like a bench unit and be somebody for a veteran minimum. But I don't think he's a guy that you need. He would just be a luxury you add to the team that could provide some other elements. But you need to make sure you take care of what you need before you worry about Kevin Love, in my opinion. Yeah, awesome rebounder and great passer too. Yeah, and good screen setter. I think that's something I forgot to mention with the skills that the Nets are looking for. I think setting screens is very important. No doubt. Uh, Jack, what else you got? Rashawn Holmes, Nick, I think that this is getting less likely by the day as well. I think that what he showed in Sacramento this season, um, I think he's going to be getting much greater than the, the taxpayer MLE on what the Nets can, can necessarily afford. But, you know, his athleticism, um, he's, he's a really good in the pick and roll um, around the basket, uh, really solid as a, as a defender, uh, good in, inside the paint as well. Uh, he'd, be a, he'd be a dream candidate uh, to be a Brooklyn Net next season. Yeah, I think he'd be a guy you definitely look at. I think he's probably out of the Nets price range. My concern would be with him would just be like defensively, how good is he really? You know, it's always hard to tell when you play on a terrible team. You know, he played on the Kings. They're not really doing a ton over there. And I'm sure some of the on-off numbers weren't really in his favor. So I think there's some things about his game that strike him as a fit. But ideally, I'm not sure if he's the guy that I'm looking at on a championship team, just given his lack of experience in a lot of these situations. Fair point. Fair point. Now, what now? I guess I'll throw another one at you. Is there, could Serge Ibaka be disconcerted with what's going on in Clipperland and maybe how his injury was handled? Maybe he goes Kawhi Leonard mode and decides not to take the player option and decide, you know what, I'll join KD and everyone in BK. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, especially if the Nets were like, you know what, we'll give you, you know, a three-year deal, about $18 million. Still, he'd be turning down 9.7 for this year, but maybe he didn't like what's going on with the Clippers. He feels like he'll be a better fit on the Nets. Um, he had some injury concerns, like you said, last year. His back injury was kind of debilitating for him. He didn't even really get to play in the postseason. So... I'm not sure how much he personally has in the tank at this point because it's so hard to tell when you don't really see a player play at his highest level last year. So 
it's tough to say. I think there could be a world where Surge were to join the Nets and really be kind of a lot of things they were missing. But there also could be a, a world where he's not the same guy we saw even in you know Toronto. Yeah, back injuries are always a, a concern as well for any player. Especially the older you are. You know, after 30, they're a lot worse. Pre, pre-30, you might be able to survive. No doubt. Um, another guy, you know, a Lopez twin. Not Brooke, but Robin. You know, he fits a lot of the check marks in which we talked about in terms of, you know, a paint presence, a veteran, a screen setter, uh, a guy that's kind of willing to accept his role and also would provide a little bit of toughness. Like he's a guy that takes no shit. You know, Brooke never gets in fights. Robin, on the other hand, he's always trying to get into a little bit of something. So that was a guy I looked at. And I think veteran minimum for him is very realistic. Yeah, I mean, the mascots better better watch out around the league (laughs) if if Robin Lopez has joined the Brooklyn Nets because you can just imagine uh, the amount of content that would be coming our way. Look, I'm a a big fan of Robin Lopez, Nick. Obviously, I always watch a little bit more Washington Wizards because of my guy, JBT's uh, Nick Busink. And he's also just like a, a bit of a bucket when it comes to, you know, his little hook shot. Like, and that's just... Could take advantage of a lot of switches that the Nets force. Yeah, and, and that's something that I, I, you know, I think that we probably overlook a little bit. And I think that you know, you can just imagine Katie and and Kai just loving that shot and just wanting to feed him to to get it because they just like guys getting getting guys their shots. They become quite selfless as players uh, yeah. as well, and James Harden as well. You know, he is just super solid fundamentally in in all the sort of things that we said. Um, I think that he, in terms of his his presence on the Brooklyn Nets team, out of all the guys we're like we're likely to discuss. The reliability you get out of Robin Lopez, the night after night after night. Now, going forward, you might see what we're currently seeing with Brook Lopez. You know, he may get played off the floor in, in yep. certain respects. Um, and you may have to just go Jeff Green or Blake Griffin or Katie at the five or whoever else it might be. But I think that you, know, you still will see an impact in the minutes that he does play. Uh, and, and I think that he's probably the best vet minimum poss- possibility um, for the Brooklyn Nets, to be honest. Yeah, he gives him a diversified skill set. Like you said, Jack, he he definitely get played off the floor. Like he's not, you know, an elite defensive player by any measure. Drop coverage is definitely better for him. He's not going to be switching out the perimeter, but he checks the mark of giving you that traditional center. You know, somebody to bang with Joel Embiid. It's not like he did an elite job against him in this postseason, but he's a true seven-footer, has real size, and he kind of fits the mold of like that Golden State area era center. You know what I mean? Plays the first six minutes of the game, plays the first six minutes of the third quarter, gives you some of that bruiser stuff and gives you just another option to have on the bench. I really would love Robin um, with the Nets. It'd be kind of funny too, given that Brook Lopez spent so much of his, his career here. And there was actually a rumor back in the day, the Nets were trying to acquire both of them and get them both in Brooklyn. But yeah, like you said, Jack, I think he would be one of the best realistic options for the Nets to land. Absolutely. Another guy you kind of hinted at, Jack, uh, Tristan Thompson. I think he also could probably be had for the veteran minimum. Provides you that rebounding. Um, athletically isn't the same player he once was, but he can definitely give you some of those like spark plays you love to have from a bench player. Like With the Nets offense already being elite, 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 having a guy that can grab an offensive rebound and give you a putback is extremely deflating for the other team. I think the real question for him is that he's starting to transition into more of a drop coverage player, but he lacks some of those rim protection abilities. Yeah, he's starting to transition to be more of a Hollywood character than being a basketballer <laughs> as well, it seems to me. Sometimes care more about the Instagram to get in beast with Lamar Odom. Look, I, I try to discount and, and separate the two things, but it is very hard when you know your presence you know, in you know, the general 
you know media sphere is and, and you're where you're sort of known for you know my girlfriend knows more about tristan thompson than i do that's saying something uh, yeah. for and, and it does worry me a little bit because i think that the nets had you know pretty great chemistry and tristan thompson disrupt that and you know in some form or fashion yeah and and, and look and looking at his basketball abilities, you know, he had some nights against us in, in, in our playoff series against him where, you know, his offensive rebounding gave something. And look, we talked about, you know, rebounding. Tristan Thompson might be one of the best rebounders on this list, especially, well, at least offensively. You know, you've probably got guys like Mitch Robinson and and, and, and other, other players who probably, you know, put him in, in his dust as well. I do also think that, you know, compared to seasons past, he's lost a little bit defensively. Yeah. You know, he was an amazing switch defender, um, in his Cleveland days, and you know whether that is you know, the, the situation he's in, whether he's lost that lateral quickness, um, whether he's lost his mobility in some formal fashion, whether maybe it is revitalized in in Brooklyn land where you know a championship really is on the table. But I, I think looking at the prototype of the basketball, Nick, I'm all in for, and I'm all for it. And uh, but Tristan Thompson, just I, I can't help but separate some of the other extracurriculars as well. No, 100%. I think that's something you really need to take into account for, just a distraction, you know, when he could provide issues with other players in the team to an extent. Obviously, there is a relationship with Kyrie Irving, so maybe that could help as well. Uh, like, not definitely, like, an ideal fit, but there are some things that he could do to really help this team. And like you said, you know, defensively, he's taking some of that step back. I'm not sure how much of that is just, like, him being in shape or whatever it is, but... When you're at this point looking at veteran minimum centers, a lot of them are going to have issues, and you got to decide which one you're willing to deal with. Yeah, and we heard this season, you know, obviously he tried to refuse it quite a, a little bit, you know, and sort of just say, you know, no, it's not true or whatever. But, you know, there were reports of him caring not necessarily much about basketball this year. And I get that, yep. actually, to be fair, because this season has been absolutely insane. And, you know, the priorities would lie elsewhere, but his priori priorities weren't necessarily you know, family-related and such. They were with the stuff that we sort of talked about a, a little bit. And who knows, maybe, you know, him and James Harden could, you know, bond over the shared dismay of Khloe Kardashian. And, oh, I, don't, I don't know, Nick. A part of me is, like, intrigued by it. And I was probably more intrigued by it if we hadn't been doing this podcast 12 months ago. But after seeing this season's version of Tristan yep. Thompson, you know, I, I think I, I probably was when we did actually do some previews and such. But... This maybe this year is an aberration, you know, like it is for plenty of other players. When we talked about, you know, guys like Josh Richardson on other podcasts and, and and stuff like that, you know, it's a little bit easy for me to sort of separate this season as in, you know, a, a one-off. Maybe it is a one-off yep. for Tristan Thompson, and you know, whatever he does in Boston next year or or in Brooklyn or wherever else he goes, um, he he has a bit of a bounce back. If it is as a Brooklyn Met, I'd be more than happy, and I'd be I'd be hoping for that, and with my fingers and toes crossed. Jack, another player I know that you're not really fond of that's been brought up, uh, Dwight Howard, obviously a backup center at this point in his career, gives you that rebounding, gives you the shot blocking, ability to finish some oops. There is some concern because the relationship between him and James Harden in Houston definitely wasn't ideal, and he's kind of been you know, a class clown at times, but he was part of the Lakers championship team. What are your thoughts on Dwight possibly landing with the Nets on a vet minimum, finally, after 200 years? Uh, yeah, yeah, it seems that way. Bro he was a Brooklyn net for a very, very short period as we well. We even so. did a podcast about it. We, we even did, did a podcast about his impact that he would have in Brooklyn, and it literally was wasted because he ended up being cut like an hour later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for the you know, the evergreen content, Dwight. No, but in, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, 
Yeah, I just can't. I sort of look at just the on-court version of Dwight Howard, and I just see goonish behavior a lot of the time. You know, he he hacks, and I mean, we talk about physicality and such, Nick. But there's a, I think there's a difference between you know physicality and and boxing out and being strong, um, and sort of giving away dumb flagrants and and texts, which is something that Dwight has done a, a little bit more of of late. And look. And you look at you. You discussed as well the the chemistry sort of issues. You know, I'd probably rather have Tristan Thompson because at least there's an element of productivity that I think I can rely on a little bit more. I don't necessarily, you know, is Dwight's athleticism and, phys- and sort of still there? Yeah, a little bit. You know, you talked about you know his prior relationship with, with James Harden. I don't necessarily think that has been totally patched up. I, I don't know. I'm, as a vet minimum dude to fill out the the rest of the roster, maybe, but. I don't see him playing. You know, we sort of talk, spoke about Robin Lopez and him getting played off the floor. You know, Dwight Howard didn't get played off the floor because, you know, Doc Rivers is a pretty stubborn basketball coach sometimes. But Steve Nash is a little bit smarter than that. And I can't see Dwight play more minutes than DeAndre Jordan did this postseason in some respects. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point too. It's just like, would he be happy with his role and accept, you know, with the Nets? Um, I don't think it's a great fit. You know, I think the skills maybe are a little bit more interesting, but more so the off the court stuff with the relationships is just not something the Nets typically would do, considering that they've been so focused on making their superstars happy. But Jack, a, a lesser known name that's a pretty good backup center and he has been for a while would be Ken Birch. You know, he's a guy that can rebound. He can block some shots. He's used to being a role player, plays with good energy. You know, that'd be a guy that I think would, you know, fit nicely for the Nets because he also would, I think, be okay with not playing some nights and only playing in certain situations. Toronto are going to pay him, Nick. The, uh, I'd, so? be, I'd be very, very surprised you know, if, if he doesn't. And maybe the uh, – he is a Toronto uh, – a Canadian native as well. Yep. Uh, I think that the, the the Raptors' need for a center is probably greater than even the, the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that that sways into De Birch's favor as well. You know, he did A lot of minutes for them. Yeah, he did show quite a bit um, in in his tenure there since the sort of trade and and, and such with Orlando. So I, I while I the, the the player prototype is pretty solid, and if anything, you know, would be as solid, if not maybe more solid than a Robin Lopez. I just I see it as very very unlikely um, that he is anywhere but Toronto next season. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point, especially the background. I think also it's easy for us to look at players and think like, oh, they want to come to the Nets, but he might be happier there and happy with the opportunity. And honestly, they might give him a little bit more money because they might have his early bird rights. I don't think they do. I think it was like a wave and then a sign or whatever it might be. But still, you know, not not every player needs to come to Brooklyn. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Jack, anybody else that you were thinking of? Uh, Gorgie Jangnik, you know, I think that when we were talking Big about... Big you got him on here. <laughs> <laughs> when we were talking about, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and, and Dwayne Dedman and these sort of guys, you know, Gorgie Jang was pretty high on, you know, you know, NBA, Twitter, analytics, their sort of roster, their, their sort of wants and needs, and I was pretty high on it as well. You know, his three-point shooting is something that is really, really solid and will provide something for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, he is a, a decent shot blocker. Um, in, in, he's not an amazing rebounder or an amazing sort of 
You know, he's not going to be 65% from the field like a DJ or a Jared Allen or whatever, but he makes up for that with his sort of ability to space the floor. And, and maybe that is something greater that the Brooklyn Nets would be able to diversify their offense a little bit more. Maybe he provides something more there too. And look, he didn't necessarily, I'm, I'm not saying that San Antonio is going to snap him up. So I think that there is, he, he's gettable. I reckon he's gettable. No, he really is. Obviously, there weren't necessarily a million teams trying to sign him when he was bought out, but I thought, you know, his play and what he did could fit nicely with the Nets, and he would give you, you know, essentially a true big that can shoot threes. You know, it gives you more size and length than a Blake Griffin would. So definitely an option that's realistically on the table. You know what I mean? He's not the sexy signing or anything like that, but he's, you know, a pretty solid player in terms of being a backup big in this league. No doubt. Another guy that's been a backup big for a while, you know, there are some question marks about his game, but he definitely fits the check marks of paint presence with his size, and that's Bismack Biombo. You know, good rebounder, shot blocker, hands are more than questionable, uh, offensive game is very limited, but, you know, does provide them a skill set they don't have and somebody that can bang a little bit. Not my first choice, but would be somebody that I think they'll consider. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that Bismack Biombo would be better than Dwight Howard in my eyes. That's fair. You know, I think he has he doesn't really carry much baggage. You know what I mean? And that's something you can't necessarily say about Dwight Howard. No, I, I think that, you know, and I think he's he's, he's shown some things in, in Charlotte in terms of, I think that, you know, LaMelo Ball's a, a, a decent fan of his. I think he's sort of been like, you know, the, the vet guy um, with LaMelo and such. And, you know, if he's had any impact on his career, that's, that could go down as, as part of his legacy and, you know, filling out the, the rest of the rotation. But, you know, a part of me would almost prefer, you know, some, some Reggie Perry minutes, you know, to see what he does in, in the summer league and such. But, you know, I, I think, you know, these guys, Alex Len and, and, and sort of filler rotation guys, from here beyond, you know, essentially is Gorgie Jang is probably the the parabola, the line where it's just like, okay, you can give me something. Whereas the guys beyond this are like questionable. I think Dwayne Dedman could give you something, but there's just some Great. question mark about the off-the-court stuff and why the Nets didn't sign him last season when he was a free agent. Um, he's he's a unique center, in two because he does have the size of a real center. He's not like super big, but he can legitimately knock down the three-point shot. Not at an extremely high rate, but also I thought some of his finishing in the postseason wasn't too bad. I actually like the way he played against the Bucs. Um, I thought he actually played better than Bam in a lot of those games. Yeah, I, I think that Deadman is something that we were sort of clamoring for. And, you know, we sort of heard different things here and there. You know, maybe Sean Marks isn't the biggest fan of the, the phone celebration uh, when he was <laughs> an Atlanta Hawk. And, you know, maybe that left him no a little bit salty. Oh, I have no idea. But, yeah, Deadman and, and Jang, those are the sort of dudes that I, I think can give you something. And, you know, I think Deadman gives you a little bit of toughness, uh, a little bit of, you know, an A-hole quality as well. Um, that I think you sort of want, that we've sort of been speaking about a little bit. And he, he was okay in Miami. And, you know, I, I think that he's not necessarily, you know, long for, for that organization unless they were to give him some form or fashion of money. But, you know, Bam is obviously the, their priority number one. So the Nets might be able to to swoop in if that there if there is, you know, a desire for him to be there. And I think a lot of this also, when we go to the depths of the rotation, Nick, you know, we talk about, you know, guys that are sort of vet minimum dudes and buyout candidates. What does KD think of these guys? What does Kyrie yep. think of these guys? What does James Harden think of these guys? Because that's the impact of the roster right now. And, you know, Blake Griffin, you know, who did he say called him? Kevin Durant. LaMarcus Aldridge, who did he say called him? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. So, so I think that it's it's about, you know, what is there? Is there a prior relationship there? You know, Sean Marks is obviously going to do his thing and, and improve the roster in any way he sees fit. But 
it's it'd be naive of us to think if he's not you know also communicating with the superstars about how he thinks this roster is going to look next year as well. Yeah, and somebody who's played with Kevin Durant, I think they had a fond relationship. I don't think there was anything negative. He's actually currently playing with him, and that's JaVel McGee. You know, a guy that was tied to the Nets with the rumors a little bit. It's giving you more of that specific rim-running skill set, can rebound the basketball, can block shots, but also kind of fits the criteria of that Golden State dynasty center and has experience doing that exact role. And obviously, I thought he had solid minutes for the Lakers as well. And he also didn't complain when he got benched when he was on the Lakers when they played the Rockets and they decided to go fully small and have AD at the five. So McGee would be a guy that I would consider too because like you said, I think uh, like people listening to this would also not get confused. Is like a lot of the centers that we're looking at, there's a chance they play a very small role in the rotation or they're not a regular piece of the rotation given that it looks like Blake Griffin's going to be back, Nick Claxton's going to get minutes, and if Jeff Green's going to be back, he's going to get center minutes too. And like you mentioned, the potential of Katie being there and also some Bruce Brown center minutes. So this guy that whatever the Nets sign, unless there's some bigger changes that we don't necessarily know about, I feel like this this center is going to be very limited in, unless there's a specific situation or an injury where they have to play more. Yeah, or a little bit of luck and, you know, some certain yeah. dudes decide to prioritize Brooklyn or Kevin Durant's prior relationship. Look, we've sort of alluded to, you know, the prior relationship, obviously, in Golden State, that Team USA right now as well. Now, I don't necessarily think that JaVale McGee has much left in the tank, you know, but, you know, as a sort of guy to fill out the rotation, uh, you could certainly do worse. I, I think He's that, a giant human. Yeah, I, I, I personally think that Gorgie Jang and Dwayne Demon are better players right now. But maybe JaVale McGee is just a, a better presence and the, you know just provides a, a little bit more. He, he could provide some tutelage and, and mentorship to, to some of the young centers in, in Nicholas Claxton, uh, as well as Reggie Perry, given what he's done. And your know, championship experience, you know, obviously the, the JaVale McGee, quote-unquote, alliance when it comes to championships, uh, and, and, and that has been broken now. But maybe uh, if we were to bring him back, it would be a nice little omen. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think you were spot on when you said that, you know, Corey Dang and Dwayne Dedman are more skilled basketball players. But JaVel McGee is that bigger body and probably has more of that athletic pop in terms of vertical spacing. You know, like you said, he probably has lost a little bit over time, but still has a little bit of that kind of element to him. Jack, were there any other names that you were looking at that you were thinking maybe the Nets should consider? Not really, to be honest, Nick. Uh, I think that, you know, as much as Isaiah Hartenstein uh, is a name. I don't think that there is any anyone beyond this that would provide much of anything to, to the Brooklyn Nets roster. Do you think um, Cody Zeller would be a name as like a veteran minimum, or do you think he'll get paid a little bit more? Obviously, he was getting decent money with the Hornets, has been really banged up, but provides like some of those basic center things, you know, can set good screens, can finish layups. I think he's working on a three-point shot a touch, can rebound the basketball, not super athletic, but more of your traditional big. I'm not saying he'd be my top choice, but do you think he'd be on the radar? Yeah, he's fine. You know, like the sort of, you know, the lesser. Basic center. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's big. <laughs> like that, at the end of the day, he's 740, 6'10 above, which is what the Nets need. You know, a, a bit exercise just to, I think that with the, the guys, again, that we've sort of touched on in the last sort of five, 10 minutes, it's about, can you just lessen the load in the regular season? You know, can yep. you what can can you be an 82 game player for us? And then when it comes to the to the nitty gritty where we sort of need, you know, Blake or maybe Clax gives you something or Katie and Jeff or whoever else is on the roster at that point in time, Bruce. Um, then it's just like okay, these guys have some runs under their belts. 
they're fit and fine, ready to go. Sort of like, it's sort of like AD, what he's doing in the Los Angeles Lakers for their regular season. Play four, play four, play four, play four, and then play the five. You know, same with Giannis uh, in this postseason as well with Bud. So, look, I, I think that there's some names there, Nick, and I think that some of them, if they're if they you know have a bit of a te- if they get a bit of a text from KD or one of the superstars, and if they're ring hunting, uh, then I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of these guys isn't a Brooklyn Net next year. Yeah, and I'll throw one more name at you. I think he's probably out of the Nets price range, but he could be championship hunting. He's technically listed as a power forward, but uh, Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, Kelly Olynyk. What, what was he like? Houston's best player kind of when he was straight. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. having some monster games. Yeah, he was insane. Now, I don't know if uh, Kelly Olynyk has the best relationship. You know, he he's boys with uh, with our dudes, but um, I think he's going to get paid a little yep. bit. I think he'll be. You know, I think he is. More he do, always does enough just to get paid. I don't know if you remember last time when he was about to be a free agent, he had some crazy playoff series for Boston, and then that led to him getting, you know, a bigger contract. And then he never really lived up to it until, you know, these last couple months in Houston. Yeah, I think he'll be non-taxpayer in LA. I think he'll be around yeah. that sort of eight, nine million sort of dollar range, but we'll see how it pans out. Yep. Jack, anything else you want to talk about in terms of the centers before we get out of here? I don't think it's the most important roster position, Nick, as I sort of alluded to, you know, what I think the Nets need, as long as they are to retain Jeff Green and or Bruce Brown and give them options and versatility there. But if they were to lose one or two of those guys, um, then there is an increased need um, for a big man, whether it's a, you know, a a tweener at the 4-5 or some guy who can give you, you know, some, some form of production or reliability as a big man as well. Yeah, and I think we're both running under the assumption that Blake Griffin will be back. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's why we kind of haven't really discussed him in a skill set more so similar to him. That would be kind of the Kelly Olynyk-esque. That's why I think, you know, Blake being back is a really important thing. Like you mentioned, Jeff Green gives you the luxury of versatility, you know, similar to what kind of Bruce Brown does in a, a smaller role at a smaller size. But uh, that's about it, Jack, right? Nothing else on the center talk? Nothing on the centers. We've got the forwards next. Yep, and if the Nets really, truly wanted to make a big upgrade at center, it would be probably through trade, maybe something using Spencer Dinwiddie in a sign-and-trade, DeAndre Jordan, who really knows. But like you said, Jack, we got forwards next, and you can check all the Brooklyn Buzz episodes on all streaming platforms. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.